Welcome to Getting Cozy with Erin Hill. Now here's our mama. Hey y'all, welcome back to Getting Cozy with Erin Hill. I am so excited today because this is just so much fun when I get to have parents from Bachelor Nation on my show. So today I have Mama Moines, Emily Moines, Blake Moines, Mama. She is here with me today. And I don't know if you guys know this, but she's actually an author, a podcaster, and an incredible mom too. So we're going to get to know her and hear all about how Blake grew up. And I'm just so excited to have you. So welcome to the show, Emily. Hi, Erin. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to here. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I'm so excited to have you. And I just going to jump right into it. I'm just so curious. Where did you grow up? Oh, okay. So I actually grew up, well, I moved to Canada from Portugal when I was seven. So the first seven years of my life, I lived in Portugal and then we moved my family. So there's three girls, my mom and dad, um to Belleville Ontario so my mom had a sister there and they were our I guess our sponsor so we moved there you know what's crazy about that my sister has our landing papers on her wall she has it framed we landed in Montreal in 1972 and you know how you have to claim um how much currency you're bringing into the country whether this is true or not but I think it is true because we were just farmers living in a village in Portugal my parents came here with $237. Wow. Insane. That is. And didn't nuts. speak the language with three kids. How did they manage? Well, so we lived with my aunt. They were our sponsor. So we lived with my mom's sister and her husband for a, probably the first couple of years. Okay. My parents started working right away. And then we moved oh into gosh. a two bedroom apartment with three kids. Oh my goodness. And lived there until I was about maybe 13. So a few years and then they bought their first home. Oh my gosh. Now, are you the oldest? I'm the second oldest. Okay. Now there's four girls. There was, there were three when we moved to Canada, but now there's four of us. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. Did yeah. you always want a brother or you're happy with your sisters? Okay. I have a half brother. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> He's back in Portugal. That's a whole other podcast. That's a whole <laughs> other podcast. That's okay. Yeah, I do have a half brother. He lives in Portugal. He's not my mom's child. Oh my gosh, Portugal. I've never been, but I've heard it's very beautiful. Oh, it's my happy place. I mean, if I did not have children, I would be living in Portugal hands down. I would be on the first flight to Portugal if I didn't have my kids here in Canada. Oh my gosh, I need to go visit then. It sounds oh. incredible. No, I'm telling you, I mean, you know, I could be biased because I'm Portuguese, but <laughs> the warmth of the people in Portugal, especially the further north you go, like in the mountains, it's a different lifestyle. The food, they're passionate about things that we don't even think about. Their wine, their food, their music, their family. There's such mm -hmm. passion about those things. It's a, it's a different mentality, completely different than North America. I love that. But do you enjoy living in Canada? I love Canada. I mean, I've been in Canada most of my life. I absolutely love Canada, but I find the older I get, the more I want to gravitate to my roots, the more I want to gravitate to a simple life. So when now when I go to Portugal, Portugal is a beautiful country, but I don't go to the south of Portugal, to the Algarve, to the beaches. I want to be north, which is the village that I'm from, being in the mountains, having very little luxuries, like very little my grandparents' home didn't have running water, uh, you know, until I think maybe I'm going to say the 90s. Oh, my 80s. gosh. Mm -hmm. When I left, there was a seven-year-old child. We did not have electricity, like running water. It was 
Wow. Did you get your water from a well? Well, it's called, God, I don't know what it's called in English. It's called a <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, it's just the pump. It's like the community well, though. Everybody goes okay. to that well. Yeah. And that's where they collect their water. And you come back with big, big jugs. And I remember my mom carrying the jug on her head, oh wrapping my it, God. like wrapping this like towel thing around her head and then placing the jug. Yeah. So it's just incredible. It's a whole, it's literally going back 500 years and I love it. Wow. I love going back to my village in Portugal. I love it. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. That's amazing. Second oldest son went to visit for the first time a couple of years ago and he planned on just going through visiting my family because all my family's Mm -hmm. there and spending, you know, a couple of weeks and he ended up spending like a couple of months. Oh, wow. (laughs) You just want to leave. Yeah. Oh, I I love love that. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I thank you for sharing that with me. Were you very close to your parents when you were young? Yeah. So my mom deserves a medal. My mom <laughs> is literally the, I could cry talking about my mom. Oh, my mom is, I could cry. <laughs> I've been so emotional this week. I don't know what my problem is. I've been oh. so emotional. Blake's best friend had a baby and I talked to them yesterday and I was bawling on the phone and I'm just like, I'm such an emotional wreck. So my mother is an angel. I love her to death. She is all about her family. Always has been the thing that makes her happiest is being with her kids cooking in the kitchen. She is, oh my God, my mom, my dad, not so much. Yeah, not so much. I mean, Hey, listen, I just said I have a half brother that lives in Portugal. That's a whole other story. So, you know, coming from a European background, there still is, they're very old school European. So he still has that mentality. I hate to say it, but I'm going to be real. I'm all about being real. That sort Mm -hmm. of chauvinistic king of the castle sort of mentality, his, Mm. you know, his rules. Um, And my mom played into that, you know, the submissive housewife. And uh, I mean, although she did work. So my dad's views on life and mine are very different. And I know that growing up in that household, for me personally, I believe that I were conditioned to have certain belief systems. We're conditioned to pick partners based on, right? Mm -hmm. And um, well, I I mean, I wrote a book about it. So I've been divorced twice. And um, I believe that a lot of that had to do with my upbringing and my dad specifically. I really do. So do you feel comfortable talking about your marriages, your past marriages? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Where did you meet your first husband? Okay. So my first husband, because, you know, I I also, I always feel like I need to clarify this because the book is really about my second marriage. So my first husband, I feel like honestly was temporary sanity that I had in my life. I picked a great dad and a great husband. Uh, I met him in Belleville, very young. We got married really young. I think I was 23. Had Blake by the time I was 24. Okay. That marriage, unfortunately, didn't survive. Now, looking back as a 55-year-old, that marriage could have been salvaged for sure. You are not 55, Emily. I am 55. Oh, my God. Now, as a 55-year-old, I have a very different outlook uh, because now what I believe is unless you have what I consider to be the three A's, adultery, abuse, or addiction, everything else can be worked out. Mm. I think everything can be worked out. If you want to be in that marriage, if you want to put the time in to be in that marriage, if you both want to be equally committed to making it work and you don't have the three A's because those are my deal breakers, adultery, abuse, or addiction, I'm out, I'm tapping out. And so back then, you know, in my thirties, yeah, I'm going to, it's a hard pill to swallow. It's a little selfish. Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like this. And it was just, I don't know. It was, we didn't work hard enough at keeping that marriage together. I'm going to blame myself more than him on that. And we divorced, but we divorced with the kids in mind. Very much so. Very much so. We lived across the street around the corner from each other. They could literally go up the street and see their dad and they can come to my house. So you had two boys with your first husband? Uh, All my kids are from my first husband. I have three. Oh, got it. Got it. So I have three kids and they're all from my first husband and they're, he's a hands-on dad. He still has a relationship with his kids. And uh, and then I remarried. (laughs) Do you believe that it was, cause they always say like, if you marry too young, it's like a starter marriage. So do you look at it kind of like that? Like it was kind of a trial or like a test getting into marriage? Well, I mean, I certainly like, when I look back now, I think Jesus, I had a great partner. Like, what the hell, Emily? Because then the second marriage okay. was our worst choice for me. Mm. I think we were young. We also, I had a, uh, my second child also had a lot of medical stuff that he was dealing with. And that was really, okay. really hard to go through that so young. And I honestly, honestly, I was at a really selfish state. I feel like now looking back in retrospect, I was just selfish. I had a fantastic job and I just wanted, I don't know. I just felt like, you're not, you're not fulfilling my needs. And I, I don't need this kind of mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Interesting. and now when I look back, it's like, okay, there was really nothing that wrong in that marriage that, mm. that, you know, couldn't have been salvaged. Now, having said that, I get a lot of people saying, is there a chance of going? No, no. <laughs> that ship has sailed. <laughs> that ship has sailed. It is water under the bridge. I feel like I am exactly where I need to be. I feel like there's a reason why I'm here, how I got here. The journey to get here has left me really in a great state of mind, emotionally, mentally. That's awesome. I, I need to, I, I am exactly where I need to be. He's remarried. He's everything's great there. I'm exactly okay. where I need to be. And then, yeah. And then when did you meet your second husband? So I met my second husband probably about four years after my divorce from my first husband. And that was, oh, wow. That was a win world, like romance too much too soon. So many red flags that I ignored. Yeah. Wow. Was there love bombing? bombing, Idealization, (laughs) devalue, discard, (laughs) Hoover, love bomb idealize, devalue, discard, Hoover, years and years and years. I know the cycle of abuse very well. Mm -hmm. I could, oh my gosh, terminology I'd never heard of before. Gaslighting, uh, projection, Mm -hmm. um, you know, smear campaign, flying monkeys, victim mentality, everything that I had never really heard of before. Yeah, I learned that after my marriage, I was like, what just happened? Like what happened? How did, how did my life spiral so out of control? And then I started doing a lot of like research on my own. And I was like, Oh, okay. Check, (laughs) check, check. And I was like, Oh my God. Now I know what that was. I know the cycle I was in. Right. And I know it all too well. We chatted about that Mm. online. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a vicious cycle too. I mean, especially, you know, when you're married to that and you were married to someone like that for so long, how did you finally decide like you've had enough or you, you know, you saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, how did you, it it took me a long time to get there a long time. I went back three times and moved out and Mm. moved back three times. Oh, wow. I was arrested for domestic abuse. Talk about wow. manipulation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. 
what I learned the most out of that, and I'll get back to, the, to why, how I left. It was my daughter, actually. It was my daughter. That oh. was, it was the pivotal point for me leaving. But biggest lesson I learned from that, because as I was going through, I'm like, how could you do this? And I just wanted a family and I just wanted you to love me. And I just, you know, I, I was devastated. I was broken. I was heartbroken. But what I learned the most is that I participated in that relationship. I participated in the dysfunction. Mm. I participated in the chaos. I fed the beast. Without Mm. my participation, there would have been no chaos. I participated in it. So I'm equally, I allowed it. I gave my power away. Again, another really hard pill to swallow, but I had to do the work to figure that out because why was I there in the first place? How did I so easily give my power away? Right. Where did I go back three times? Yeah, it's a lot of work. And that's where my book came from. Yeah, because you're you're a very strong woman. So do you think he met you at a vulnerable time? Yes. And I don't know if you know anything about that, you know, the characteristics of that personality type. Yep. Charming, beyond Mm -hmm. charming. (laughs) Yes. I have like, Right. Swept off your feet. Yeah. Yes. Very, Uh very much so. Mm -hmm. And so, but before that, I had never dealt with that personality type. I had never dealt with these traits and these characteristics, what could be. And I and I hate even using the word because there's been no diagnosis. But having done the research, I see a lot of the narcissistic traits. Right. And that's what I know, I think, I believe that I was in. I was in a narcissistic abusive relationship. I really do. And so it was actually my daughter. I, like I said, I left three times and we had gotten into an argument one day and she had come home from university. She was really um, needing a soft place to, to fall. And she came home and she was really struggling in university and mm-hmm. gone into an argument and she had heard that argument and it was ugly. I mean, the arguments, oh my God, Aaron, they were so ugly. It was just horrible. And she heard it and I went up to her room and she was in a ball in a fetal position, just in a ball, just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. And I'm like, I'm not doing this to my children one more fucking time. And I got in my car that day and I drove to her lawyer's office and I did not leave until she saw me and filed divorce papers. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that was the start of it. Oh my gosh. And did he fight you on any of that? Oh, Oh, no, 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 no. Three and a half years. What? Yeah. My husband, ex-husband was very wealthy and I didn't work. So, I mean, there's like my podcast talks about all that, like the injustice of the imbalance of power Mm -hmm. when you're going through a divorce Mm -hmm. is so unfair. The imbalance, there was always an imbalance of power financially, but especially when you're going through a divorce, Mm -hmm. you had all the resources in the world to drag it out, to let it go, to say, no, no, you're not getting that. No, you're not entitled to that. No, you're not getting this. And then it was a fight. Like it's such a fallacy that when you get divorced, it's such a fallacy that at 50% of everything is yours. It is until they fight you on it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is until they decide it isn't. And then you've got to prove and go to court. And uh, yeah, it's the, the whole court system too is a whole other topic that we don't have time for today. Thank you so much for sharing so much of that. I know that's not easy to do. Yeah. Um, I really commend you because I, you know, I, I spent years just hoping, praying that my dad would see the light and, you know, leave my mom because yeah. of what was happening to us because of him being married to her. 
Yeah, but there's trauma bonding, right? Like there's definitely like there's a trauma bonding going on. It's really difficult because they're they're your abuser and your hero. Right. And it's it's like that whole cognitive dissonance going on. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard. It is really hard to leave. It really is. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, well, and you wrote your book because of your well, so it wasn't, yeah. So it, it's called Rising Up and it's to break the cycle and rebuild a kick-ass life. And I wrote that, it wasn't a book initially, it was a journal. So I was journaling because I was learning a lot about myself. Why, how did I get there? How did I end up in a jail cell with cameras pointing at me while I pee in a steel toilet? Like how how much more broken can I get than that? How did my life spiral start out of control that that is where I am today? Someone who came to Canada was so resourceful, you know, speaks three languages, have never as much as almost raised my voice to my children. They can all attest to that. How did I, how did I end up here? So it started with journaling and started with me doing a lot of research, reading books, listening to motivational speakers. And just learning a lot of the human behavior. Mm-hmm. And then, so I was just journaling a lot of that. Like, And then my sister, who was also going through a divorce, we would talk about it. She would read it. And then it was sort of like, a this needs to be a book. This is so good. And then it just sort of organically turned into a book. But it was never, I never set out to really write a book. It was. Yeah. Just it kind of wrote itself. <laughs> yeah. Just the process. Yeah, it really did. And just so everyone knows who's listening, this book was not recent. This was written five years ago. <laughs> yeah, this book. So I, <laughs> I laugh at people now that, you know, that I started a podcast. I did start a podcast recently, yeah. but my book was almost five years ago. And when I published the book, launched the book, I also started a Facebook rebuild a kick-ass life page. And I really wanted to reach women that felt like they were in a similar situation that felt hopeless and helpless and didn't have a voice. Cause that's how I felt for many, many years. I felt powerless and defeated all the time. And so I started doing like motivational quotes and I started doing like little videos, self-help and that started five years ago. And that was in synergy with the book. Okay. So lately the podcast was just sort of a natural progression uh, to start the podcast, but I started it at the same time as, as everyone probably knows, my son is on the bachelorette. (laughs) So I started it around the same time. And then I got, of course, a lot of people saying, oh, she's just, you know, she, she just, she launched her book at the perfect time, or she's looking for fame or whatever. And I'm like, what? Like do some research people. <laughs> yeah, I wrote my book five years ago. I was, I had a platform way before my son became a TV reality star. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I actually did a video on that. I was so perturbed that day. I'm like, you guys can just go kick fucking rocks. Like, I know I loved it. <laughs> I was way before Blake Moynes was here. So right. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just really passionate about that. I really am. And I can't tell you since I started the podcast, how many women have reached out to me and the biggest thing I can tell everyone listening is oh my god you guys you are not alone you are not alone it boggles my mind to know how many and men too listen I don't gender discriminate here men too yeah um, go through this are in a similar situation Mm -hmm. Um, and I just want them to know you're not alone what you're feeling is perfectly normal the makeup and breakup game normal right the the romanticizing your relationship normal oh yeah yeah and your podcast is called get real get real with mama moines (laughs) and even okay that's so funny because even mama moines 
So Mama Moines is not, I didn't use Moines to tie in again to Blake, right? Yeah. Mama Moines has been around since when they started playing hockey. So they were little. And I remember walking in, we had a hockey tournament. And I remember walking into a mom's, we had hockey mom's nights. And I remember walking in with two bottles of champagne one night and somebody said, oh my God, Mama Moines in the house. And then it stuck. Oh, I've been it. Mama Moines for 20 years. Wow. So again, when people are trying to tie that in, I'm like, okay, I don't even care anymore. Who cares? And- that's why we're doing this because we want you know we we want the truth we want to know exactly yeah. what's what's up so yeah. i love yeah. that it's cutest nickname ever i love it it just rolls <laughs> off your tongue mama moines i've been mama it moines does. for 25 years so it's just a natural get real with mama moines so that's your podcast so you guys go follow it or go subscribe go listen I definitely subscribed. I'm so excited to, to start listening because we just kind of connected just recently. So I'm just so happy about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I loved you. I think you commented on something and then I looked, I looked you up and I'm like, I loved your name because it was oh, like, you. You know, get cozy with there. I'm like, well, get cozy with there and then you can get real with mama. <laughs> right. Um, so I love that. And then it starts, you know, started looking at your stuff and then, you know, you're a mom. So I always identify right away with a mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, you know, there's always that connection. Mm-hmm. And then I just started looking at some of your stuff. I'm like, oh, I like her. So, follow. so oh. I started following you. And then I think you might have reached out after that. I can't remember. Yeah. Then I saw your video and I shared it because I loved it. And yeah. yeah, we just, it kind of just organically happened from there. So let's talk about Blake because yeah. of course, you know, we yeah. want to know more about baby yeah. Blake and how he grew up. So did you have like a great pregnancy with Blake? I loved being pregnant with me too. Like I, when women, you know, like I loved it. Same. Uh, all three of my pregnancies loved. I gained a lot of weight. I gained 60 pounds for each of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Blake was big. He was nine pounds, 12 ounces. Oh, he's a turkey. Yeah, was, <laughs> my second child was 10 pounds, two ounces. <gasps> and then my daughter was little. little. I know I had big babies at cesareans. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm not saying just saying this because I'm his mother. That kid, honestly, I'm going to be straight up. That kid has never given me one day's grief ever, ever. He has never as much as raised his voice to me. You know, kids can be like, I hate you. Uh, Yeah. Never. Wow. The easiest kid on the planet. Mind you, his dad and I were very strict. Like we had boundaries and we had rules. I don't subscribe to being your child's best friend. I really don't. My personal opinion. I want to be their mother. I do not want to be their best buddy. Right. Not a lot of buddies. They get one mom. Yep. So uh, we were pretty strict, but he was easy, easy, easy peasy kid and continues to be to this day, to this day. I love that. That's yeah. amazing. I saw a baby picture. Well, probably like a toddler photo. And I was just like, oh my heart. He was so adorable. I so mean, he still is of course, but so adorable. Just, oh my gosh. The he's cutest. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I have a, I have a six-year-old little boy and he's the same. He just, he loves his mom. Yeah. He's just a cuddle bug. You know, mm-hmm. he's just, he has my whole heart. Like I, I love know. my daughter, but my son is like, oh my well, God. I know there's a thing to be said though, right? For mother, yes. mother and son relationships. It's different, you know, and he, he is like exactly my husband. So I feel like I'm raising my husband, which is like really special too. Right. Yeah. So, Cause we've been married for 10 years and uh, that's awesome my best friend never had any issues. I mean, he, but I waited, I waited a long time. I was in my thirties, you know, before I got married. So, I mean, waited a long time and I felt like, you know, this is the right guy for me for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know that I would ever get. 
and maybe you won't, but that's okay. Right. I mean, you have a very fulfilled. Yeah, I do. Life. I mean, yeah, yeah no, that's life. not to say, I think I should, you know what? I think I should just like literally like people joke about me being the, on the bachelor all the time. Like you should go on the senior bachelor. You should go on the senior bachelor. Like, yeah, like, sign me up. Yeah. I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed really? to being in a relationship. I'm not opposed to being on the bachelor. Of course not. Oh my gosh. But obviously, you know, the process works. Yes. So I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to being in a relationship. I just, I'm a little bit more discerning today of who I would pick. That's good. Yeah. Well, I am a dating coach. So if you, you know. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> but you probably know exactly what you want now. You know, I know had, what I want and I know what I don't want. Been through it, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> when did hockey start for Blake? How young was So he? it's so funny because Blake didn't love hockey when he first started. And of course the dynamics with his mom, the mom and dad. So I was like, he doesn't like it. Like, no, he doesn't have to go. He doesn't like it. He's like, he's Canadian. He plays hockey. <laughs> and I'm like, no, but he hates it. Look at it. He's crying. He doesn't want to play hockey. And he's like, trust me, my dad did the same thing. He's going to play hockey. And honestly, <laughs> best thing he could have done. And that's where, like, you know, we we really differed as parents. And I'm so glad that he had that because I would have just said, you don't want to go, okay, don't go. Right. But he started playing hockey late because he must have I think he was like maybe nine kids here play hockey like when they're as soon as they can walk they're on skates from nine and then he was playing rep hockey I think like two years later I don't know if you know what that means but yeah so rep hockey is like the best of the best they get a team mm. the best of the best okay. for their age group so he started skating at around eight and then he was on a rep team by the time he was 10 maybe nine or ten and then he played hockey for his university he's been playing hockey now pretty much most of his life Oh my gosh. And yeah. now he loves it. Like he loves that, it. So had mama given in, he wouldn't have <laughs> <wanted to> skate. <laughs> I'm like you too. I'm like, if they don't like it, don't make them do it. You know, I yeah. get it. It's hard. It's hard. I know. I'm glad he did though. I'm really am. I'm glad that his dad was, um, you know, a hard ass. He's, he's playing hockey. He's Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> he's Canadian. It's happening. Yeah. So we, we have to talk about his modeling phase because clearly with the content he gave us, you know, last week, we got to talk about how he knew how to pose. And I mean, that was just one of the best things I've ever Okay. Seen. So <laughs> he didn't, he actually, that's so funny because when he came home and told me that he was going to mimic all of those, I was like, that is brilliant. It I is. love it. How can I help you? Where are you going to find the clothes? He went in one afternoon and came back with everything. Wow. Where did you find a lime green? Like, it's crazy. Thrift stores? Like thrift shops? No, he actually went to Zara. Oh, okay. And that, makes that stuff. And oh then the bag was mine. The glasses were mine. <laughs> I know. I thought it was just brilliant, but no, when he was little, yeah. he, I mean, no, he, he only modeled. It was a child model for, I'm going to say maybe two years, okay. a year, two years. Yeah. He did his, a commercial Kentucky fried chicken commercial. I think when he was like six yeah. and all that money went into his college fund. Okay. And so, but he hated it, hated it, hated it. So I took him out. I took him out of it, but he was doing so well. Oh. And I think he did it for like two years. I think like, like five and six or six and seven of that age group. And he did really well. And I have so many of his modeling pictures. Maybe I'll post them oh, today. Please do. <laughs> oh my gosh. I wonder if that photo that I saw is because Probably. Katie posted it on her stories. Was yes, that, that was his headshot. Oh my God. Modeling. So yeah. freaking cute. I love yeah. it. Well, I'm very resourceful. I might have to dig up this commercial. <laughs> yeah, well, if you can, can you? So it was um, yeah. Kentucky Fried Chicken and it was definitely in the 90s. So he's born in okay. 90, I want to say like maybe 96. 
like 95, 96, 97, around okay. then. Yeah, that, oh it's around God. that age. And it's a silence okay. on camera. So he doesn't speak, but he he's one of the, he's the kid and the family other sitting around. Yeah. I mean, I'm from Kentucky. Maybe I'll like recall the, you know, watching the commercial. <laughs> yeah, it was a fire. So it was a, his dad was a fireman. It was a fire truck in the scene. I do remember that. Okay. A long time okay. ago. Oh my God, he's 31. So it's like 30 years ago. Yeah. Oh my God, that's nuts. Okay. Well, I, that's my mission. <laughs> that's my mission. And to petition to get you on the, the senior bachelor. I think I'm too young though. I'm 55 and I think they're casting. I was going to say, yeah. I think they're doing sixties. I feel, but I mean, my God, you look, you look like you're in your thirties. I mean, oh, yeah. I was, like, totally. drop the skin, you know, the skincare routine, <laughs> Emily. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm getting a lot of questions about that. Oh, good. I worked for L'Oreal for 25 years, 22 years. Okay. So I'm getting a lot of that. So I might have to do that. I love that. What was Blake like in high school? Was he girl crazy? No, Blake has always been a relationship guy. Okay. And it's so funny because that. it's so funny because the first edit he got was like, so like sex positive and, you know, crazy sex guy. And yeah. he's always been a relationship guy. Okay. He was not girl crazy. Okay. He's had long-term relationships and he, I mean, yeah, he was a typical guy. Of course, you know, he was, you know, pretty girls obviously made, probably made his head turn. He's definitely like a one, like a one girl kind of guy. I he really that. is. That's awesome. He's a sweetheart. He's a, he's a great kid. Every time we've had any kind of exchange, you know, through Instagram or whatever. I mean, he's just so polite, so kind, like he really is a gentleman, you know, he, he did an incredible job raising him, yeah. honestly. You really did. Did you like his edit on Clarentatia season? Did you think it reflected who he really is? No. Okay. No, no, I didn't. So it, no, it's not that I didn't like the edit. I think it was fine and it was fun and it was funny because he does have that sort of big side to him. He's so playful and fun yeah. and funny. But what I found about that, they didn't really show the other side, the sweet, deep, emotional, caring, you know, humble, like they didn't show that side. Yeah. So, yeah. I, mean, I mean, he definitely is what they showed, you know, like sculpting crazy phallic symbol. <laughs> but even that, like, even that had a whole meaning. Like, there was a heart underneath. Oh. The, and he, he wants both. So he wants right. great sex with the love, but they didn't edit it that way, obviously. Goals, right? That's just yeah. goals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I feel like we got more of the sweetness and like the soft side on Katie's season. So I was really happy to see that. Were you, yeah. did you think that was a better edit? I thought it was a better edit for sure. I did think it was a better edit for sure. And of course you film for hours and hours and hours to get you right. know, minutes. So when he came back, he was telling me about all these things and what happened, what he said, but it didn't actually ever make it to the show. Yeah, I was fine with it. Yeah, he was, it was him. It was totally him. Love weighs a lot on him. Like he's, it doesn't, he's not one to throw it out there. So I know he was struggling Aww. because that's something that, you know, he takes very, very seriously when he was struggling and like, oh my God, yeah, it's him. Oh, yeah. And I don't like when people say, you know, he throws that, that word around so casually. He didn't. You know, with, he like, didn't. Yeah. He didn't with, he did it. Any of them. Except for Katie at the end. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. So when, what were your thoughts when he told you he wanted to go on the show or was he nominated? How did he get on the show the, the first, first time? time? Yeah. So I, that came after a hockey game. And mm -hmm. he had just broken up with his girlfriend, I think a year prior. So he was single. So he was talking to his buddies about, you know, his dates and they're like, oh my God, you have like the best stories. You need to go on the, like on the bachelorette. And he <laughs> literally took that, went home and it's like, okay, signs up okay. and he, and he gets a call. Wow. And he was like, whoa, wasn't expecting that. And then it just sort of right. spiraled out of control that he was like, 
mom, I think I'm going on the bachelorette. And I'm like, yeah, do it. Go for it. You know, you can be edited, you know, any way that they think it. So, but I was all for it. I was all for it. I'm all about experiences. Now, had he watched the show? Had you watched the show? Yeah. I've watched, I've been watching the show for, since it started with Michael and Michelle. Yeah. The very, very first one. Um, Uh And then Trista was the first bachelorette. So I've, I've always watched it. Mm -hmm. He watched Peter's season because that's when he was going through the casting, casting process. Okay. Okay. Watched it then. Yeah. Um, And I think that was really the first like entire season that he watched. Interesting. Wow. Oh my gosh. And okay. So you were always in favor of him going on. I love that. So you're just, but you're just a supportive mom in general, I feel right with your children in general. Yeah, Yeah, I am. Yeah, I totally am. It's their life. And I'm here Mm -hmm. to support you, guide you, like spread your wings, go fly. I'm here to support. I'm here to guide. I'm here to help you pick up the pieces when they need to be picked up, but it's your life. So live it. Right. It's like hands-on, hands-off kind of thing. Yes. I get it. Yeah. And that's a hard balance. I mean, I'm trying to do the same. It's, it's I know. definitely yeah, it's hard. Really hard. It, Cause sometimes I need I'm like, Gage, bite your tongue, you know, no, nope. mm-hmm. they're like, oh, yeah. but for the most part, I'm really confident with their decisions and what they want to do in life. Like my, my middle son mm-hmm. went to school. He wanted to be a vet, wrote his MCATs, graduated with honors, played football while he was in university. Mm-hmm. And at the 11th hour, I was like, no, I think I want to be a pilot. And now he's a pilot. Wow. So it was, but at the time I was like, no, you don't, you want to go to, you don't want to be a vet, but no, he's right. happier than ever being a pilot. So oh. that was one of the times I'm like, no, bite your tongue. It's his life. Let him live yeah. it. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, now I have to ask you, what is a, I don't know if we want to go embarrassing, but maybe a cute story about Blake when he was little oh. or embarrassing if you want to go there. I mean, it's up oh, to you. Embarrassing. <laughs> You, I do, you know, something that does come to mind. I don't know why this comes to mind. He was probably four and he was riding his bike and he, <laughs> I can still picture him in the little rocking chair. Oh. He scraped his knee, paper cut, oh. paper cut. <laughs> and he came in having a meltdown and he sat in his little rocking chair in his room and he's like, right. He's holding oh. his knee and he's, it's a paper cut. And he's holding his knee and he's holding his knee. Like he was crying. He fell asleep, like fell asleep, like rocking, holding his knee. And I have pictures of him like falling out of his rocking chair from a paper cut. It just, and I don't know why that comes to mind. I can still picture his little face in the corner in that little rocking chair, holding his paper cut knee. He was such a little wuss. (laughs) (laughs) That's too funny. Is he still like that if he gets hurt? No, not at all. Okay. No, okay. not at all. He, the God, the course he took in, in college. No, he is, uh, he's, he's a rough, rugged, tough guy. Yeah. He's a lumberjack. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> we call him like the real man. I mean, he's like such a, you know. He is, he's outdoorsy. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah, no, he's, no, he's the opposite now. And he'll, <laughs> he'll chirp you if you. Oh, okay. Of like wussiness. He's like, come on, come on. <laughs> So now he's the opposite now. He's uh, off a tumble guy. This is a this is a new term that I just learned. Chirp. I I never knew what that meant. Hockey. I like just heard it. Oh, that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. They oh. chirp each other on the ice. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. so funny. Okay, yeah. I actually heard Blake Horstman use it in like a story or something like that, and I was like, yeah. what is this word? Yeah. Everyone's using it now. Oh yeah, yeah. So funny. Yeah, you chirp them. Yeah, to to get them out of their like you know to throw them off. Or to yeah. like, come on, like they chirp them, like they razz them. They razz, it's yeah. like razzing. Yeah. Or, yeah. 
right. Just this yeah. new like term. I've got, yeah. it's like, you can't keep up with everything. It's <laughs> changing, I right? I know. It's so funny. You haven't known her very long, but what are your initial thoughts of Katie? Like, how, do you enjoy being around her? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know what? So here's the thing with any of my kids and their boyfriends and girlfriends, they all make, you know, decisions on their own. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to influence them one way or another. Now, when Blake said he wanted to go meet Katie, I'm like, yeah, you need to go meet Katie. Like, make it So, yeah, she's very easy. Like, she's very, um, she's very easy. Like, she's quiet. Um, she's sweet. You know, she's in an environment where we're all strangers, right? right? Like, mm-hmm. we're all strangers to her. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sure that would be daunting for anyone, like, to meet somebody when you're engaged. <laughs> Yeah. Dating. What I like about her is what Blake likes about her. You know, she's very strong in her convictions. She's very, she's no bullshit. Mm -hmm. No BS. Yeah. I like you have been watching from the very beginning and she's probably my favorite bachelorette. Yeah. She was so true to herself the entire time, you know? Yeah. And oftentimes you see the leads get led into certain directions or, you know, they, you don't feel like they're being their true selves, but with her, I never, I never doubted and never guessed it, you know, second guessed her at all. I just thought she did an incredible job really. You know, she, Mm -hmm. she knows who she is, what she wants, what she doesn't want. And she's going to tell you, right. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's what I want my daughter to be. You know, that's what we hope, right. To see women be strong, just strong strong and vocal and Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what is it that you want to do with the platform that you have? I mean, you, are you going to write another book? Are you going to keep um, podcasting? People are, asking, people are asking me about writing another book. And because I ended my book with where I just started. So I left my marriage and I didn't get support. I oh. finally just gave up. Wow. Settled Sorry. and I got no support and I wasn't working. I hadn't been working for 10 years. Mm. So I left that marriage having started two businesses and I think the last chapter was, I'm officially a business owner. The sign is going up today. And that's where I ended the book. And that was five years ago. Okay. So I get a lot of people saying, okay, where are you today? How did you manage? How did yeah. you provide for yourself and your kids? And how, so I'm getting a lot of people saying we need a sequel. When am I going to write another book? I don't know where in the hell I would find time. Cause <laughs> I just don't know where I find time, but the platform really that I, that I'm passionate about what I'm passionate about is really, like I said before, just helping women or, you know, making them feel like they're not alone mm-hmm. in their struggles. Um, you know, I'm a 55 year old woman who has reclaimed her voice that is here to, say to you, you know, women that feel helpless and hopeless, you can do it. Right. You, you have worth, you are okay, you are enough. And that's really sort of where I want it to go. And hopefully my journey will help some of these women. Again, I keep saying women because 95% of the people that follow me are women, right. but that goes for men as well. So I want to use my platform like for inspiring, encouraging, motivating, empowering well, that's what I want to use my platform for. Yes, you can be 55 years old and take good care of yourself and exercise and eat healthy and mm-hmm. take care of your skin. And thank you for the compliment. I don't think I look <laughs> like I'm 30, but I certainly don't feel like I'm 55. And that really is a mindset. So you can achieve that mindset. You know, focus on if you're coming out of a marriage, the biggest advice I can give you is don't focus on what you're giving up. Don't focus on losing the matrimonial home. Don't focus on the stuff. Focus Mm -hmm. on what you're going to gain. Are you gaining freedom? 
Are you, right. are you gaining, you know, not having to walk on eggshells? Are you gaining your voice? Are you gaining your authentic self? Focus on that. Mm-hmm. Because if you focus on what you're giving up, it really keeps you stuck and it keeps you in that place. So it's things like that, you know, that I've been there, been there twice. It's, you know, if I can offer, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist. I've been there. I've experienced it. And I think a lot can come from the experience of having gone through that twice and coming out on the other side and feeling like I'm a better version of me now than I was 15 years ago. That's amazing. And that's all we hope for, you know, when we go yeah. through experiences like that, right? Yeah. And, and, and the one, one thing is I, I'm like, I want to always be real. Like, look at my hair. Like I need to get, <laughs> I, why I need a root touch up, but this is real. This is real. I love so it. Yeah. I, people say, oh my God, I, you have the great, I do have, I, I'm blessed with, with skin, great skin. Okay. I do take care of my skin, but I don't have naturally high cheekbones. <laughs> I can't help. I have a number 11 or 111, you know, in between my eyebrows, I, you know, I put a little bit of Botox in there. I'm not going to pretend that I don't have a fabulous dermatologist that helps me with my skin. Yes. I do. And it's such a fallacy. And this is a thing, such a problem I have with social media, you know, everybody looking at the highlight reels and they're living in the real world yeah. and, they're real, and they're looking at the highlight reels and it's unattainable. So nice. yeah, you can attain this too, because yeah, oh, yeah. I have a dermatologist and I have Botox and I have, you know, stuff like that. Like I have gray hair. I'm going to show you I have gray hair. I don't, you know, yeah, I need to get a color. So I just want to be real. I'm not happy all the time. I had, I cried all day yesterday, you know, like I'm not, I'm normal, but I also know that life ebbs and flows and it's okay to not be okay sometimes and just work through it. So that's really what I want my platform to be about. Do you have any vices at all? Coffee is my vice. Oh, I'm a podcast junkie. Oh, yeah. I I really am. I'm a podcast junkie at night. When I go to bed, I will turn on whatever I'm listening to Uh and I fall asleep to it. And I'm so random. Like, I love Joe Rogan. (laughs) Um, And and then I love, like, Eckhart Tolle. He wrote The Power of Now. Great Mm -hmm. book a new earth. It depends on what I feel like I'm needing that day. Mm-hmm. Do I need, you know, inspiration for my business? Do I need mental health stuff? Do I need to be more present? Do I, it depends on what I'm looking for. But my vice is if I go to someone's house, it's like, oh my God, I, what's your internet? What's your wifi? Cause I got to listen <laughs> to my podcast at night. <laughs> so I need to, that's my vice for sure. I'm, I love I'm, that. I'm a podcast, I'm a podcast junkie. And then again, I'm like, well, why listening to podcasts? Why don't you start my own? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. You've got to listen to batch after dark. You will love it. I will. I will do that. I will. It's so edgy. I, I mean, I talk about like my sex life. Like I literally, it's completely just, I lay it all bare. I don't have a sex life. <laughs> There's nothing to talk about. I think I really need to, on my podcast, put it out there. I think I, I, I'm going to do something. I want to do something where my listeners, my followers, I don't, I'm not an, I'm not, um, I'm not a dating app girl. I don't know dating apps, but I also, I want to meet someone that is like through a friend that's really difficult. So I'm like, I think I might just put it out to the universe. I'm ready. Mama Moines is ready to start dating. I love it. Bring it. Have your, have your friends slide into those DMs. Okay. And because it's been five years, 
I'm not dating. I'm ready. I'm ready. You haven't been on a single date in five years. I did right after, right after I left my marriage, I did. Okay. And my dates have not gone past the first date. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And the dick pic started coming in. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is this now? Is this what we're doing? Like, is this what's happening now? I love is this. Like, is this, thing? <laughs> is this a thing? So I'm like, yeah, no. no. So no, no, not, no, not unsolicited. Definitely. So I was like, yeah, I'm just not ready for this. And I think Emily, let's just concentrate on you. Now you're starting two businesses. Yeah. Let's work on you. And that's right. what I did for the last five years. That's what I've been doing. I'm an interior decorator, stager. Love, I love that. I wrote the book. I also started another business, a fitness facility, totally unrelated to my other oh my business. Gosh. So that's what I was concentrating on, but now I'm ready, but I don't, I don't want to meet it. Like I, I would rather meet someone that is your dating coach that I don't want to start fresh with a stranger. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to like be set up somebody that knows this person that I know they're not going to be, you know, sending me dick pics randomly. Or... <laughs> Are you open to me sending gentlemen your way? Yes. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, Yeah. I can totally do that. And I have to say the best thing to do is have a video, just like we're doing right now, having a video chat, even before you meet them in person, because I feel like it saves time and effort. And you will know just by the video chat, like if I lived in Canada, we would be friends, right? We know that. Yeah. We have like, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Right. So, you know what, I'm what do you do though? If you're like having this chat and all of a sudden you're like, mm, yeah, no, like, do you tell them right then and there? What do you, how do I you- mean, I would limit the chat to just like a few minutes, like yeah. as if you were having coffee with them or, you know, treat it as the same type of like duration. So you don't feel like you're trapped, you know, in, yeah. the, in the call or whatever, but no, I mean, I think that it's much easier to be like, Hey, I love chatting with you, but I, I got to go. I got to go to the gym. I got to go this. Yeah. Like it's, it's mm. much easier to do that when you're in a video chat than if you're like sitting in a Okay. Okay. Good to right? know. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Yes. So I'm in can... way. DMs are wide open. <laughs> wide open. <I> love this. <laughs> wide this open. is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then I want to have you on Batch After Dark if you'll be open to that. Sure. Absolutely. That would be amazing. I will do that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This has been so much fun, Emily. I cannot thank you. I have had the best time chatting. I so appreciate your time. I so appreciate you. Just thank you. Who you are. Your energy is amazing. Your vibe. I mean, we, we need more of you in the world. So I'm going to thank you. You have a, you know, a lifelong supporter. Like I am your cheerleader. I will support you any way that I can. Likewise. Likewise. Oh. Thank Thank you you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please go follow Emily on Instagram at Emily Moines. And please go listen to her podcast, Get Real, and go get her book, Rising Up. Thank you so much. And you guys, please always stay safe and always stay cozy. Till next time. Bye.